0: Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, brought to you by the Registered Master Builders, where we're all about building better businesses. Each week, we explore the ideas and practices that help us get the best from our businesses, our teams, and ourselves. I'm your host, Ryan Castle, along with Dr. Mike Ashby. We talk to experts, advocates, and business owners in the construction industry to share their knowledge, insights, and experiences to help you build a better business and enjoy a better life. In addition to the podcast, The registered master builders, Elevate, is also an online learning platform, hosting courses, programs, and content that help construction business owners and their staff to build a better business. Now let the business building begin. On the Master Builders podcast today, I'm joined by Chief Executive David Kelly. David, welcome along to the podcast. Great to have you here.
1: Thanks, Ryan. Great
0: to be here. Yeah, how's your your Monday uh, kicked off so far?
1: Oh, busy as usual. Uh, A whole bunch of things going on with uh, government and industry. Uh, Good things, not so good things, but yeah, it's... uh, there's a lot going on in the industry at the moment, uh, and some challenges, but some great opportunities that I'm sure we'll talk about.
0: Sure. In addition to being chief executive of Master Builders, you're also the chair of the Construction Industry Council. So I guess you get exposed to a lot of the thinking and challenges and successes that are going on in the in the industry. Could you open for us, just giving us a bit of a insight into your take on the construction sector as it stands now?
1: Oh, two parts. I guess um, in terms of activity, there's a lot of activity which continues strong growth over the last five or six years, I guess. So if we take the Statistics New Zealand information from the end of September last year compared to a year earlier, in residential construction, there's been about a 5% growth total value, which is up to about $3.8 billion. So that's quite significant. And in terms of commercial construction, it's up almost 8% to about $2.1 So a lot of activity going on and opportunities. And that's where I think for our members and for other businesses, thinking about how do we reinvest in our people? It's important for all of us that we don't just think about the today, but we think about tomorrow. So are we reinvesting? Are we training our people so that they can help our business to keep adding value and to make sure that we're working well as a business? And then there's some other things which are a bit more difficult in the commercial sector, obviously which is not a surprise to people.
0: Sure. And obviously with the Elevate platform on master builders we've given access to a lot of development training opportunity um, and we might come back to that a little bit a uh, little bit later. David understand that uh, recently you chaired the Society of Construction Law seminars. Um, around the country you know it's always a a point of challenge making sure that the contracts are set up correctly that I guess the the rules are well known before the game starts what was what was your findings or what did you hear when you chaired those seminars
1: Yeah, it was an interesting opportunity. And the reason that the society asked me to chair them was because I'd been talking to them about issues in the construction sector and the commercial construction sector and wanting to start a dialogue, particularly with the legal fraternity. So they asked me to chair um, these three panels, Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch. We had people who were engineers, builders, contractors, lawyers, clients. So a good mix across and quite a lively debate in all three. The thing that came through to me as a theme was that everyone's finding the commercial construction sector quite tough at the moment and no one's enjoying it, but there's a sense that people feel trapped by the current environment but feel powerless to get out of it. And one comment that was made to me by a couple of people was they're just not having the fun that they used to have. It's not as enjoyable. And then a few offline.
0: What's different? You know, your perception, you're talking to these people often. What are they saying the environment used to be compared to what it is now? What's changed? I think the
1: environment used to be there was more trust. People felt that they could have a conversation. Yes, there were contractors, but the contract was put in the bottom drawer and was only pulled out when there was a problem. The sense now is that it's much more legalistic, that there's a breakdown in trust for a whole range of reasons. And as soon as you get into that situation, it becomes more difficult. So the contracts become much more front and centre. The wording of the contracts are not as clear. And whereas in the past it might have been, well, look, that's what the contract says. But how do we how do we negotiate a good outcome for both of us? There's a sense that that's broken down and that we need to get back to that. Otherwise, we will see a continuous loss of people in the sector. And we're seeing that in some businesses, not just our own, but some of the consultants. And even the clients are saying this is not an enjoyable
0: Right. So as master builder members, and I guess we're talking predominantly about commercial construction here, but we certainly see necessity for clear contracts and good understanding in the residential sector as well. What would be your guidance to the master builder members and where they could look and what they might be able to do to help in that process?
1: I think the thing is to understand what they're signing up to. So the contract is the basis of their relationship, but also think about who are the clients they're working for? Is that a relationship they're happy with? One of the things we've done put out guidance to the commercial sector, but that could easily relate to the residential sector. We've also given that information to the subcontractors because this is not about us winning and someone else losing. This is about how we work as part of the whole sector. And the subcontractors, for instance, have sent it some of their members and said, this is actually really smart stuff. We've run some seminars for members on understanding the contracts. What are the things you need to look out for? And then finally, um, make sure you price them properly. Understand what those risks are have the conversation and price the risk. Don't just take on the work because you need the work, because a number of contractors have got badly burned taking that approach. I think what's really encouraging is as a result of the work we've done over the last few months, there's clear evidence that contractors are starting to push back on unfair conditions and to price them better. So I, I think we've started to turn a corner, but that needs a, a broader understanding of what those issues are.
0: Mm. And whilst we're uh, seeing these challenges around uh, commercial and maybe some of the trust breakdown, I still feel like any business relationship, we, if we can set up trust well in the beginning, and then the contracts and the, the legal bit that goes in behind it is the, yes, the protection and the rules of the game, but still focusing on that relationship piece is, is critical. And I think our, our current master builder's presence President uh, Daryl Trigg with Trigg Construction, you know, he's taken a very relationship focused approach to his business and uh, is is doing well because of it and yes of course he still has uh, good contracts in place but is still having that relationship focus in the first place right?
1: That's right Uh, and so Daryl is a good example and he's been involved with a group we've termed the vertical leaders group so he understands that very well and he's applying it in his business. I think the other thing is uh, while I talked about society construction law and working with them and they've asked me some for some feedback on the overall themes that have come through there's also a few other conversations that have started so the major clients uh, through the property council there's an opportunity to talk to them and government as a major procurer how do they see things and what are the behaviors and then finally in that respect right now the government is out reviewing their own procurement guidelines so we will have a very strong and very clear view about what needs to change but trying to be constructive about it and think about how do we set this up for success? Because ultimately New Zealand needs the construction sector to work well. It is important to our economy. It's about the third or fourth biggest employer of people in New Zealand across the sector. So it doesn't just impact the economy. Every place in New Zealand is impacted by whether the construction sector, commercial and residential, whether it's working well or not. So this is important. And the government I think is starting to understand the importance to New
0: Zealand. Absolutely. And we know there's that critical flow-on effect when we get one failure, it has a trickle down effect, doesn't it? To you know head contractors, subcontractors, families, kids, the whole the whole lot. So the more we can make it successful, the better for everyone.
1: Absolutely. And that's why I talk about the subcontractors, but also the consultants. And, and that's a slightly harder task, but we've started that process.
0: Yeah, and look, commend uh, master builders on on being the voice of the industry in a in a large way, and trying to get the right things happening in government and with consultants and with other bodies. You're doing a great job of that, so well done, David, to, to you and your team. So look, risk management look, it's a huge uh, element in the, in the industry. Um, it's such a big issue. What can we be doing to address it?
1: I think the first thing is to understand that risk. One of the tools that's been talked about is for contracts having a clear risk schedule so that everyone knows it's transparent, it isn't hidden away in the contracts. So there might be a uh, an addendum to the contract that says this is the risk schedule and who this is who's uh, bearing that risk. And then as part of the contract process is pricing that risk, being clear, if you want us as the contractor to take it on, this is what's gonna cost. But if we share that risk, how do we negotiate a different price? We're clear about that. So that, that's a tool. And hopefully through that, we can help rebuild the trust. And a key thing for me is transparency. So contracts aren't written in a way that it becomes a surprise down the track. Oh, I was responsible for that. I didn't know that. I didn't understand that from the contract.
0: And David, there may be some listeners on the podcast that are not familiar with the types of things that might appear in a risk schedule. Are you able to give us an example of something that might?
1: I think one that uh, comes through quite a bit and from some of the lawyers is thinking about ground conditions. So who's undertaken the geotechnical investigation? How complete is that risk? Now, are the contractors able to rely on the information or are they then taking on unlimited liability and having really to second guess what they're given. Because in some cases that geotechnical investigation may be quite inadequate for the particular risk you're taking
0: yeah, interesting that you chose that example, uh, David. I was talking to a construction company just last week that had had a real challenge in this area. Where exactly that a geotechnical had been done in advance, they progressed with the construction based on the information in that report. Turned out that it didn't capture everything that needed to be captured, and then it ensued, in quite a large dispute, a lot of frustration, a lot of delays to the project, because. people weren't clear about where the risk stopped and started around that report. So that's a great example that I've I've just only last week heard, unfortunately, um, a real-life example of it. Yeah, good.
1: And I think the thing there, Ryan, is the message we're trying to get across to government and other clients is you may think that you've been clever in putting the risk onto the contractor, but what you may be doing is raising the possibility that the contractor will fall over. And where are you then? Because you've got all that risk and all that cost probably times two or three back on your own plate. So it's smarter to think about how do we share that risk? Try and have a common vision for what we want out of the project.
0: Yeah, spot on. So quality in the sector, you know, it's always going to be a big question. People are always going to want to make sure that their buildings, whether they be commercial or residential, are are well-constructed into a quality standard. What is it that master builders can do to help uh, with their quality in the sector?
1: Well, one of the things that we pride ourselves on is setting a standard in terms of quality. And along with that, it's being very clear about whether it's residential or commercial, what are you buying? What's the standard you expect? Are we clear about that? I think the ongoing challenge for all of us and all of our members is that communication. Things change during the project, communicating back the variations, particularly for the residential sector where the clients may not understand the ins and outs. They haven't done this before. So communication is critical in any relationship and essentially that is a relationship for the duration of the contract. So um, one of the things that we emphasise again with some of the thinking around Elevate is thinking about the relationship with the homeowners. But also we give advice to homeowners in particular. Um, are you clear about what you want? Do you understand the process? Is your builder in this case someone that you think you can have a good relationship with? So we encourage them to take their time to work through that
0: and I was talking to a residential building firm a couple of weeks back and they were saying they actually take their prospective clients through um, what they call the heartbeat of the project so they go look normally when you start a project it's very exciting you, you've got a lot of exciting things in front of you think about this new and then there's, there's always challenge in a project no matter how smoothly it runs and you get these dips in excitement and they can lead to frustration, and they actually take their clients through that cycle, or possible likely cycle, for the duration of the project to understand that this is what is likely to happen on the way through. So don't be surprised. This is what happened, and it's all just part of the part of the journey if you like.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great example because it is new, and there will be those ups and downs. Um, there'll be frustrations and, and some of that's um, in the control of the, the builder. Sometimes it's outside and just explaining how that process works. I think that's a fantastic example. Mm-hmm.
0: And David, you mentioned earlier the importance of uh, construction teams building capability, both in themselves and in, in their teams. How, how do you think that building capability can play a role in leaving, leading positive change?
1: It depends on the size of the business. Some of the focus more recently has been on the larger commercial contractors because they've been um, operating on margins that have been, frankly, too slim for most of them, and they haven't been able to reinvest in their teams. Part of that whole discussion is how do you price the work? What's a reasonable margin? What do you need to do to build a good business? So we're about to start a piece of work, starting with the commercial contractors, but I think it'll flow into a residential which is describing what are the elements of a good construction business. So this is work we've done with yourselves at the Breakthrough Company, work that's on Elevate, but it's packaging that in a slightly different way to say, how would you measure what a good business looks like? Then we, I would hope that allows any business of whatever size to say, what does that mean for me? What are the critical skills I need? What do I need to do as an owner? What are the types of people and personalities and backgrounds that we need in the business? What does the balance sheet need to look like? So I think, uh, hopefully, we'll pull that together in a way that makes sense for whatever size the business you're
0: running. Yes. And we've certainly seen on the Elevate learning platform that Master Builders provides to its members, the pricing modules in there, of which there are several, have been a real help. They've been very well utilised courses. As we know, pricing one of these uh, projects is not easy, and there's a lot of things to give consideration to, and there's a a really great step-by-step guide there in Elevate for the members to use.
1: Yeah, and I think part of the challenge, because it's so busy, if we go back to the start of this conversation, is making the time or allowing your staff to take the time to um, go on to Elevate, to explore, to undertake those modules that are relevant at the time. And, and I've heard of a couple of great examples recently of uh, businesses, and this is residential businesses, that are recognising that value and rewarding their staff as they complete modules. And in a couple of cases where they've said people have come from outside the business, that it might actually be people doing the physical building or people involved in the office, they've said they've seen a real uptick in the value they provide to the business, simply taking that time.
0: Correct. Excellent. And you mentioned right at the beginning people saying the industry is not as enjoyable as it used to be. I guess the risk here is we end up with with brain drain, really capable, qualified people walking away from the, for the industry. What, what have you observed there? And, and
1: that's not just our members. Um, it comes from people across the spectrum. And it's particularly that group of people that we need as our future leaders. So it could be people in their 30s or 40s who are gaining that experience and we're losing them. So I think it just reinforces how important it is that we get this right, that we work with others across the whole sector, government, clients, consultants, the legal profession, et cetera, to say, actually, ultimately, we've got the same aim here, I would hope. It's not about someone else can only win if someone else loses. Actually, we can all win if we, we think smarter about this. We reduce the amount of time we end up in arguments and rework that's the way that people will find it more enjoyable so that's a big ask but no one else is going to fix it for us it's only the people in the sector they're going to fix it for themselves yeah
0: and i know uh one of the statistics that as an industry we're certainly not proud of is the the suicide rate among our construction construction sector what is it that you feel the industry and indeed master builders can do to help in in this uh, environment
1: well i think at one level it's come as a shock to people that there are more people commit suicide in the construction sector than any other. It's not a surprise to people that we have an issue, but the size of the issue, I think, is something that people are quite shocked at. Um, so there is some good research being led by brands and others to try and dig into that and understand, are there particular parts of our sector where it's, a, it's an issue? What's behind that? Uh, we do know that we talked about it's, it's a difficult sector, not only for commercial, but for the residential side. Customers are more demanding, and at one level we say that's fair enough. But do the businesses and the people running the businesses have the skills to deal with that? Um, do they have the support? Uh, and in that respect, you know, we're probably no different to some other industries like the agriculture sector. So there's work being done to do that. There's also uh, some thoughts about bringing in um, programmes from overseas which may be relevant for part of the construction sector in New Zealand, but maybe not others. What we've done is we've uh, set up an 0800 number as a helpline. So that's 0800 800 397. So that's free for our members that if I just need someone to talk to in the first instance, that's a start. But at the um, local level, at the regional branch level, there's a number of our branches that are running some very good stuff, sometimes in conjunction with others like Master, Painters, master electricians, master plumbers.
0: Mm-hmm. And David, on that 0800 line, who, who would they be connecting to if they made a call to that line?
1: So this is people who specialise in understanding and talking people through um, their immediate problems, perhaps pointing them in the right direction. If, if that's all they need at their time, that's great. But if they need more, they can point them to someone with a bit more specialised knowledge that they can contact. It is a male-dominated industry at one level, uh, particularly the people doing the physical work, and we're not always that good at talking to people. So this is an easy way just to have someone to talk to and then, uh, if necessary, take the next step.
0: Yeah. So the people answering here, they're uh, professionally trained to assist in mental health, which is is fantastic. And I think one of the things that always surprises our breakthrough members is uh, they can feel quite lonely and isolated as a business owner. They don't realise that many other business owners are facing many of the same challenges that, that they are. And once they understand that and actually having a chance to open up and discuss, they actually go, "Wow, everyone, everyone's pretty much in the same boat as I am. There may be varying degrees, but they certainly uh, it really helps a lot to understand that uh, if you're going through their challenges, probably many other people are doing the same thing."
1: Absolutely right. Absolutely right.
0: Okay. Well, David, I guess we've talked today a lot about uh, some of the challenges in the, in the sector. I think that probably needs to be balanced with uh, some of the really good things that are happening. We're working with a lot of members that are running uh, you know, really successful businesses. They're very proud of what they're delivering to their clients. They're very proud of what they're developing in their, in their people. Uh, I think you, you mentioned some of the stats that are coming through. I think housing consents are the highest they've been for, for many, many years. So we've, got, we've also got an exciting future ahead in the industry as well, haven't we? Oh, absolutely.
1: I think there's a few other things on on the go. Uh, Last year at the Constructive Forum, we also had some case studies of some very good projects, in this case from the commercial sector, but equally in the residential sector, um, there's, there's actually quite a bit of innovation going on. What we aim to do both at the Constructive and also in our members' day is to share some of that positive stuff because it's too easy just to focus on the negative but no there's some really good stuff going on and one of the things that i'm keen to do is that we do some more case studies and we highlight that and through the regional network that we encourage people to to connect with others um, and that's one of the strengths we've got at master builders we do have a, a regional network right throughout new zealand yes
0: Fabulous. Ed David, I'm going to put you on the uh, spot here with the uh, final question. What would be the one breakthrough you'd like to have uh, Master Builders make this year for its members?
1: Uh, I think it's that continuous uh, leadership and working across the sector. Um, The one breakthrough I think would be to reach some sort of agreement with the government about how we work and what they do in terms of their own leadership to address some of the critical issues. So their own procurement, um, and I have to say, issues around consenting which are uh, um, throughout New Zealand if we could get one breakthrough is to really um, be clear about how we're going to move forward on
0: that. Yep. Fantastic David. David look thank you so much for uh, joining us today if you've got the Master Builders members they'd like to find a way to raise issues or communicate back into the organisation what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Two ways they can do it through their local network um, so that's uh, at the um, uh, regional branch level but also through our staff in the field, uh, our regional service managers and regional branch managers, they're always more than happy to engage. And then there are others like myself and other members of the senior team always like to hear from people.
0: Fantastic, David, Look, really appreciate it. And if any of the members are wanting to know how to access Elevate, they can go to the off-site, the members uh, site of the Master Builders and they'll see a, uh, an easy access tile to, from there to click through to Elevate and they can access those courses around building a better business around pricing, uh, some of the contracts, uh, multiple courses there for people to to access. So that's uh, all provided free to the Master Builders members.
1: Yeah. And and what's more, if they give us information along their staff, their staff can actually access it for free as well. So I don't think we can get a better deal than that.
0: It's pretty compelling. Hey David, thanks very much for giving up your time today to share your thoughts about what master builders are doing and the initiatives you're taking in the industry. Look some fantastic work and really flying the flag for your members. It's great to see. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks, Ryan. Cheers. Bye
0: bye.